All right, welcome back. It has been a couple of weeks on purpose. I took a vacation that I told Adrian, and I didn't. <laughs> took some time in Puerto Rico and sat by the beach and did some exploring. And, uh, and then last week we got busy, so but we're back. Um, I honestly don't have a topic, but I mean, we can continue carrying on what we were just talking about. You know, as always, Adrian and I always never start on time. We always spend like a good 45 minutes just (laughs) talking about life and things. And really we've been having a conversation around leadership uh, and entrepreneurship and trauma and man we we went down a rabbit hole pretty quickly yeah our conversations are kind of like a pinball man they just bounce around <laughs> everywhere and then we try to find a thread every now and then there's like a common thread to them but they just go all over the place yeah right? what would be the thread for this one if we were to break that down your past doesn't define your future or define you. Am I right? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think who you see yourself as in the future has a greater influence on who you are now than your past. Mm. Who do you still see yourself being five years from now? And I think that affects who I am today more than what happened to me five years ago. And that's like, what is our vision for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Who do I see myself being in five years? Or do I even have that vision? Am I even thinking about that? Or am I just treading water today? Am I just treading water, just trying to get by? Yeah, so this is the deep dive we just kind of jo- jumped into and, uh, you know, having to do about how we grow and how we develop as, as human beings and how our character develops and yeah, I really think for me, if if I don't have a vision for who I want to be, then I'm reacting mm. to the events that, that come up each and every day. And I'm just surviving, not thriving. But if I have a vision, if I have a vision for for who who I want to be in five years, who I want to be in the future, um, if I have a clear vision. I think that's going to have a greater influence on who I am today, what I do today, what's important to me today, if I'm thinking about that. And even that seems derivative of scripture. It's like where there's no vision, the people perish. But what that vision is, what if part of that vision is who does, who did God create me to be? And am I that person yet? And if I'm not, who is that person? And having that conversation with God, like, God, who did you create me to be? Who, who do you want me to be in five years? Because that's, that's going to influence what I'm doing today. It's interesting because I feel like for me, I have been forced to have to reflect on that and learn. Um, and it's something that I didn't ask for. Which is, I mean, I think it's a good thing though because I think God saw something in me that needed to change and I 
wasn't aware of it or maybe I wasn't uh, ready to take the leap because I've been forced to have to really look at myself and say, who am I? We talked about this on the last episode, which is, you know, we have to, we, we have to know who God is in our life in order for us to really know who we are or who we want to be. And I think that vision is dependent on you understanding that I, I was listening to, um, a devotional through the glorify app and, and Maddie Taylor, I think is her name. Um, yeah, Maddie Taylor. She said, um, on one of like the little extra things that they give you at the end of your devotional, it was on feeling lonely and, and not thriving in your loneliness. And, and I quote, I'm going to quote her real quickly. So she said, disconnection leads to feeling lonely and feeling lonely leads to fear, which puts us in survival mode. We are not meant to, to be, we are not meant to survive, but to thrive in the Lord. When you said earlier, when you were talking about thriving, I, I don't know if you saw my head kind of bobbling everywhere because that's, man, that had deep impact when you quoted or when you were, were talking about. And then I thought about the the thing that we just talked about, which which I would love for you to talk about, about burning the ships, because I think that really relates yeah, I read something recently about, um, I can't remember what they called them, but I think it was like, they, this author called it functional events. And essentially what, what he was talking about was those events that force you to do something. Like where you you just have to do something. Like maybe you've always dreamt of doing this thing, you've thought about it, you've you know dreamt about doing this thing, but often you don't do it because you're safe and secure where you are and you would never do it unless you were put in a situation where you didn't have a choice. And I got to thinking about like the, the premise for the name of the podcast is the landed and the premise that was a conversation we had about burning the ships. Like if you wanted explorers, if they wanted their, their party to, to be successful, then one of the things they had to do when they found landed or, you know, and they found this new land was, well, they'd burn the ships because as long as people felt like they could leave, they wouldn't fully commit. And the quote I heard or what this author said was, you know, sometimes often nothing gets done until you burn the ships. Often, as long as there's a way out, as long as there's a, um, a comfortable situation you can fall back to, you may not do the thing that you felt compelled to do, that you dreamt to do, that you knew you could do, that you've wanted to do. And one of the things we talked about, or maybe didn't have the confidence to do, you know, some, sometimes, sometimes I think confidence is born in the midst of being thrown over the cliff. You're thrown over the cliff and, you know, those little birds, they realize they can fly. Well, they find their confidence halfway down the cliff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like sometimes you don't know until you're in that situation, but you're terrified. And another thing we've talked about before, sometimes you just got to do it scared. Yeah. Just do it scared. I've been thinking about like um, doing things that I've never done before 
And there's, there's been many moments where I've had opportunities to like do, to do different things. And I've been scared to even try and I, and I won't do it. And I, and I would leave those moments and I get in the car and I'm like, dang it, man, like God put me, put, make that situation easier so that I can like feel comfortable and confident in being able to do that thing. And what I realize is he's trying to teach me on how to do it there and then. And, and he continues to like pop up these little moments where I've got opportunity to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, give me the strategy, you know, uh, give me something, you know, so I can go and do it. And a lot of it requires you just to jump, just go do it. Like, you know, yeah, I think about my business and it's really scary to think about some of the things that we're doing as a company and, um, and how much work it takes. But I'm so confident in like getting it done through, you know, between my, my business partner and I, I have a vision to just drive and run. And, and so does he. And, um, there's confidence. And I think that in, in both of our abilities to get it completed. And so those are the areas where I feel like really confident in, but then there's these other areas where I'm not so, and it's difficult for me to, to do it. A real world, like concrete example for me, the podcast, we talked about this earlier. You brought it up and said, Hey, why don't we do a podcast? And I kind of nodded and like, yeah, sure. That sounds good. (laughs) And there's conversations that I've wanted to share with others but I didn't have the confidence to share those with others. If you hadn't done it and said, okay, we're doing it. I'm coming over. Yeah. We're, we're going to record on this day. I probably wouldn't have done it. But when you show up and we're sitting here like, okay, I'm ready to record. Yeah. In my life, that's one of those concrete examples of just getting the boot over the cliff. Like, all right, here we go. Let me ask you a question. When I, when I did my first, when I recorded the first episode, I didn't tell Adrian, I don't think. And I went and created like the, the podcast link and the name and all of that. I think I had texted you like, Hey, what, what, what would be a good podcast name? And I threw that at you. And then I went and created it and just sent him a picture of the website on Apple podcasts and said, it's, it's created. What was your thought in that moment? Do you remember that? Oh crap. <laughs> Run. <laughs> I, yeah. I won't even lie. I'm like, Oh, okay. What can I build an engine with to get back to this boat? <laughs> yeah. I'm looking for debris on the shore to construct a raft or something. I'm like, yeah. Cause it's just, it, it was, for whatever reason is really intimidating to me the thought of having a conversation, recording it and then sharing those thoughts. Like I believe in the things we talk about. I mean, I have conviction about them. We've had long conversations about them or about a lot of these things, but the thought of um, recording that and, and sharing that with others like that was scary. Yeah. All right, Jay, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
bring you into this conversation. So last week I had you know, lunch with our buddy Jay and I, I've asked him to be on the podcast. And um, one of the things that he communicated was that in a private setting, it's really easy for you to have a really honest conversation. But putting it out to the world to hear, that's scary. I never thought about that until he and I had that conversation. But I remember there was one moment, though, before I committed to just jumping and doing this. I felt like, what if my ideas or the conversations that we have are really not as impactful? And yeah, it could be, it's scary to like put yourself out there. But the flip side of that, I felt like the conviction of, well, there are things that we talk about and that I'm going through and that other people are going through that can have really deep impact. And what if we could save one more person from falling into the trap of their old behaviors because of this podcast? And that's what drove me to just go. It was, it was, um, it was thinking about others, but that's, I mean, that's a real thing. I mean, I, I really didn't think about that early on. And then hearing Jay talk about it because I asked him like, Hey, when can you be on? And, uh, and I'm making it real for him. So now, now he's like probably, Oh crap. Like he's being serious about this. Now he's in the place that I was that day. <laughs> so text him. Yeah. I'll text him. <laughs> How are you feeling, Jay? You yeah. ready? We got a mic ready for you. Yeah. And we have goals to have, uh, we're working on getting, um, a licensed therapist on here um, is a friend of ours that I'm really excited about because I'd love to get her perspective from a from like a clinical perspective idea, get some feedback on that. So hopefully we'll have her on the show pretty soon. But yeah, I mean, I think um, when you got to, if you got that dream and you got that vision, you just got to go. It's put in you for a reason. It's hard for me to sit on things for too long. I was thinking about this the other day because I love writing music and I haven't written music in a really long time. It's been about like a year. I guess if I'm being honest with myself right now, like that's probably one of the areas that I feel the least confident in because having criticism on a chord progression or maybe the way I wrote something is so personal, it scares me. There've been plenty of times where I write a song and, and, uh, and I'm like really confident about it. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm going to send it to somebody record scratch scares me. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way with music? Sometimes. Sometimes when I write things will come fast and I write them. And I'm really excited. Like you, you play a little melody, you play a rhythm, a phrase, a lyric comes to mind. You play a little progression. And sometimes I'm really excited about it. I'm like, oh man, that's tight. That's really good. That's like, oh geez, that's awesome. And for me, what I've noticed is the stuff that's really bad will age like milk. <laughs> like, 
I'll record it. I love it. I'm like, I'm hot on it. It's like, oh man, this is great. So I record it. I take it down and I'm really excited about it. The more I play it though, like the shine starts wearing off. And then I record it. I come back to it the next day. It doesn't sound quite as good as it did before. Yeah. I listened to it two days later. I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yes. It's like, was I high? What, what, what happened? Yeah. Why? That's, that's crap. Yeah. That just sounds like, like it just sounds so unoriginal or it just sounds cheesy or it sounds something. Yeah. But I will say this, that there are things that I've written that to this day, I still love them. Yeah. And what I, what I found about those, those songs is I don't really care if anybody else does. Like, I love them because I love them. Like, they're these songs that I wrote that made me happy that I, I feel like I was able to to share something that was in my heart and mind and I was able to to craft music around it that's that served it well. Yeah. And to this day, there's some of those songs that I go back and listen to them. Like, I really like this song. Even if it's just to play it alone at home. Yeah. I like this song all there's songs I still do that with. There's, there's several songs I've written for Paula. I'll just sit there and play them. Sometimes a couple of times a week, just because I like them, Ooh. and I'm I'm happy with them. Yeah. Uh, and then there's other stuff I've written. I go back and listen to it. It's like, why have I not deleted this yet? Throwing your, <laughs> throwing your laptop at the wall. This is embarrassing. Like, why is this still out here? <laughs> but I kind of feel like sometimes, yeah the creation process is like that for me. It's, it's been a situation where the stuff that I think is good ages well, even in my own mind. And those things I'm kind of, that's another thing that's kind of strange with that writing process is the stuff that like hits me right away that, that I feel like, Oh, that's great. I want to share it with people right away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey dude, listen to this thing. Listen yeah. to this thing. I send it to him. And like 30 minutes later, I'm like, why did I send that? Yes. I feel like, I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah. The other stuff that I've really valued, I'm very reserved about who I send it to. Yeah. Because I love it. Yeah. And I only want to share it with certain people. Yeah. That I feel you on. It's almost like it's, you know, some people have good wine. Or good, good alcohol or something. Yeah. It's like, no, you only bring that up for special occasions. Yeah. It's like there's certain things that I've written. It's like, I only, I only show that to certain people. I don't know why I thought of this, but I feel like relationships should be the same. Awesome. Like good relationships should be like, like good wine. As it ages, gets better, mm-hmm. has more body. Not like sour milk. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about when you mentioned relationship one of the things we we discussed just before this is that quote that I heard recently that good, healthy relationships are not transactional. They're transformational. Yeah. And I think that kind of embodies the heart of this podcast. Very much. Is reaching out to folks and letting them know, hey, God has blessed us with this friendship and we've been able to walk with each other and grow and learn from each other and with each other. We've been able to pray with and for each other, and we've been walking together for a while now. And the relationship has been transformational. 
I know I'm different since I've known you Same. because of the friendship. It's changed me. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the messages of, of the podcast in general is find, find someone, mm-hmm. you know, that you can be in a relationship with yeah. that you're in a relationship such, such that it's going to be transformational for you and them. Um, not transactional, not just superficial. And it's also not just, oh, we have this deep, deep relationship with between two friends. It's this relationship that is set against the backdrop of following Jesus. So yes, we're friends and we have this deep relationship, but we have this, we also have this deep desire and purpose to follow and be like Jesus. So that informs and influences the whole relationship. And I think that's one of the things that keeps it healthy and guides it and guides us through differences, guides us through misunderstanding, misunderstandings, guides us through grace and forgiveness and growth and conflict and all of those things. If, if Jesus is the foundation of the friendship, well then the growth is going to be healthy and transformational. I think it takes the pressure off of the friendship to, to be the place of God. And let me break that down for you real quick. Cause this is what I was thinking. It's really easy for people to attach to others when they're going through hardship and then expect them to be a, I don't know, like a, a piece of their emotion. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure on somebody for them to have to like, are you saying that sometimes we use relationships and friendships as our support structure yes. in place of God? Yes. Exactly. You said it exactly the way I was thinking about it. It's kidding. like, yeah. now I'll tell you what's beautiful. When that friendship is an expression of God's love, mm-hmm. when that friendship is based in Christ, yeah. then, then it's both. Then that friendship is, is expressing and reinforcing and reminding you of who God is and guiding you. And like even us, when we have the conversations, when we go through crisis, we've shared things where you'll speak something or I'll speak something. That's just a reminder like, yeah, but what does God say? Yeah. I know what you're feeling right now. I know how everything looks right now. But what does God's word say about that? Mm-hmm. And what has God said to you in prayer about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't prayed about it? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's take a step back. Yeah. Let's roll it back a little bit. Yeah. Like that's the, that's a beautiful thing when you have a, not just have a friendship, but a a friendship that's got a found, that's founded in Christ. That's got a foundation in who God is. Yeah. And rerouting them back to Jesus. Man, that's so huge. I think that's been the biggest thing for me Mm -hmm. is because, you know, my personality, I, I can get into the weeds of like my own thinking and I've, you know, I've talked about this on here. Prayed God protect me from myself because when I start thinking about things, I'm I go into the rabbit hole and you know, and so when we have relationship like we're talking about in each other, all we're doing is just redirecting back to Christ. Like get out of your head, fool. Go talk to God about this. That's what we should do. That's what a healthy relationship, friendship should be. Yeah. Is when you have it's a blessing when you have someone who 
loves and aspires to follow and be like Jesus. When you have someone like that in your life, because they will be that reminder when you forget. Yeah. And if you're following and aspiring to be like Jesus, you will be the reminder when they forget. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, one of the reasons for the podcast is to let people know you don't have to walk alone. Yes. Find someone who loves Jesus. You know, find someone you can walk with. Because God will speak through that person to you. And as the relationship grows, God will speak to that person through you. Yeah, I was just thinking about, you know, some friendships that I have that they're friends that are not believers. And I'm that person for them. I'm wondering, like, is there, is there like a limitation on what you receive from those people? So g- giving you an example, like the buddy I talked about earlier, where he, he had given me feedback that was like something that stung that I've heard feedback from other people on. But coming from his mouth was far more impactful than I've ever heard in other people. He's not a believer. And so taking what he's given me, I was able to reflect and critically make the changes that I want to see in me because I, I, I see a version of myself that can also be those things that he gave me feedback on. Um, but if it's not both ways, I don't even know what I'm thinking right now. Like, I don't know if that's, does that mean that it's always going to stay that way? Do you get my process, my, my thinking at this moment? Like, yeah, I think, I think it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the question I'm hearing is, yeah, but how does this work when you have friends that don't believe in Jesus? Yeah. I think if we do, I don't think we exclude those people. I don't think we exclude anyone because they, sure. they don't. Yep. I think we see them as Jesus sees them. I think we try to love them the way that he loves them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would imagine in my life that there have been plenty of people that I could learn from who are not believers. Who I could learn something about God from. There was this book I read a long time ago. Um, it was a short book. It was like a fictional book that came out about the same time that those Peretti books came out on spiritual warfare and you know the dramatized angels and demons fighting and all that. And this book came out. It was called The Angel Walk. And I don't remember much of the book, but I remember this one scene. And it was this scene where it was the fallen angels trying to convince this other angel to leave heaven with them. So what this this demon's doing, this demon, this fallen angel demon, he, he says, well, just come with me. Let, me. let me show you. And he's trying to convince him, and he's taking him on a tour around the world, trying to convince him and pitch to him why he needs to leave heaven. And I remember this one scene where he takes him to this, uh, to this ballet. And they're observing this beautiful dance. It's a man and a woman uh, dancing at this ballet. And it's just 
it was just it described it as being really beautiful and elegant, just this beautiful expression of humanity um, in these dancers. And the fallen angel tells the other angel, he goes, do you see that beauty and that wonder and that majesty that's being played out right there? He goes, see, they don't even believe in God. And yet there's all this beauty and wonder despite the fact that they don't believe in God. There's still beauty and wonder in the world. And the angel doesn't miss a beat and responds, oh no, you've got it twisted. You've got it backwards. It's not that there's beauty and wonder despite the fact that they don't believe in God. The miracle is that the beauty and wonder shines through in spite of the fact that they don't believe in God. Just because they don't believe in him doesn't mean that they can't bear his beauty and wonder. They're still fearfully and wonderfully made whether they acknowledge him or not. Yeah. They're foolish for not yep. acknowledging him. Mm-hmm. But they still bear his image. Yeah. There's still beauty and wonder regardless of, of whether they acknowledge God or not. So when we may have friends in our lives who may deny God's existence. They may not know who he is. The Bible that I read says that they're fearfully, wonderfully made too. Mm. I can still see his fingerprints and his brushstrokes on them. Yeah. And in fact, when I have friends like that that don't know him, my heart breaks for them. Yep. yep. Because they're living as fearfully, wonderfully made sons and daughters who don't know their father. Yeah. That, that creates a level of passion for life in relationship, man. Like there's, and for people, well, that's what I mean. Like that's like, if you're not walking around, no matter what they believe and seeing them from that perspective, through the lens of Christ, you're missing out. And then, and then that also gives you accountability not to lack on your relationships with others that just because they don't believe. Because I have lots of friends, I think, that are, well, yeah, I have lots of friends that I would say that don't believe. I heard something recently. It made me think of um, Psalm, I think it's 1611. Let me check. I'm holding myself accountable again because I never want to misquote. It's either 1611 or Psalm 1911, one of those two. And I'm going to find it. Psalm? Yeah. And it's that verse that says, um, and I think it's the King James Version, in thy presence is fullness of joy. And I told you there was a book that I read recently that um, the author mentioned that in the Hebrew that could be interpreted as in the light of his face, there's fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. And that hits me different. Because yeah. when I think about God looking at me with approval and love and grace and mercy, that lights my spirit up. 
And that got me thinking about, we're bringing it back to us interacting with other people. How you look at people is how you treat them. It's true. Think about how we look at people and how you look at them and how you treat them can be life-giving or can be tearing them down. And I believe that if we're bearing God's image, if we're striving to be, if we're filled with his spirit and we're striving to be like him and we're trying to see, if we're seeing what he sees when he sees them, then I think the way that we look at them and the way that we treat them will be life-giving, whether they believe or not. And I think if they do believe, I think that will build them up. If they don't believe and we bear his image, I think it will draw them to him. I feel like he kind of forces us not not and and not don't take this in the wrong way. Like he's not forcing us into relationship. But I think he forces us a lot of time to evaluate what relationship looks like and who it's with. A lot of times or the corrections we need to make in our lives so that we can have that one relationship that we need with him. Um, yeah, that's good. I think how we treat others and how we see them is reflective of our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Well, that kind of that goes back to our conversation earlier about CEOs being arrogant and not humble or they're, you know, speaking through trauma or acting in that way because it, you know, it's kind of like what they're... We were talking about substituting how often when you can't find confidence, Mm -hmm. arrogance is an easy substitute. Being around someone who's confident feels different than being around someone who's arrogant. Oh, dude. Yes. I have to let that one process for a minute because there's, you know, there's been many times where I've led with arrogance and not confidence. But we talked about this just before we jumped on where I was driving back or I was driving to breakfast this morning with, with Adrian and Stu and for some reason, I thought about this, you know, ex-girlfriend of mine in high school and how big of a jerk and idiot I was as a kid. Like, just how cocky, arrogant, prideful. And so I started thinking, like, where did that come from? Like, why did I act that way? Like, it, it, it was cringy to me. It was like, I can't believe it. And I told myself, if I could go back and beat the living crap out of my younger self, I would right now. Teach that kid a lesson. And... um so I started praying about it, started talking to God about it. And a lot of that arrogance and pride came from me as a kid watching the Latin community get beaten basically, right? Verbally because they were Latino. And then I would, you know, watch interviews on TV and there'd be some, you know, white man or white woman talking about, you know, Mexicans or Latinos are worth the only thing they're worth is them being in the field, working a farm. And 
in that moment, I was like, I will never let any white man or white woman or anybody ever tell me that I'm not worth it. And I'm, and, uh, and then that arrogance started building up, that pride started building up. And then my grandfather, um, you know, as, as I was telling him one day about seeing this on TV, you know, he, he said, Mexicans are not stupid people. And don't ever let anybody tell you that you're dumb just because you're Mexican. And I lived with this arrogance. And that's one of the things that I have to, I'm going to have to learn now because now that I'm aware of it, I feel like it's God taking me on this journey of removing that pride. And I think it's because of the relationship with him. It's because I'm deepening my time with him. I'm deepening that who I am and who he is. And so he's showing me all of these things that like, Hey dude, you lived with this long enough. Let's get rid of it. You know, this is garbage. Let's put this out. And one of those things is that it's pride and it's arrogance. It's, you know, that, that machismo, like we talked about CEOs, some CEOs that I know that we've talked about where you can't tell them anything. That's me, buddy. Sometimes I can be that way. And, um, and it all stems from that trauma of, you know, feeling like I never want anybody to tell me that I'm worthless because of racially who I am. And God's showing me, it doesn't matter who you, who you are racially, what ethnicity you are, what type of background you had, poor, rich, whatever. That means nothing. Who you are is my child. And because of that, you're royalty. That's a new thing I have to learn. I've dealt with a lot of those same insecurities. I've been in tech for almost 25 years. Most of that time, I was the only brown person in the room. And it's, it's not always the room that's the problem. <laughs> that's good. There were times where the room was the problem, sure. but most of the time the problem was me, how I thought others perceived me, how I perceived myself, how I felt I needed to project myself, how I needed to present myself. And um, some years ago, I remember, yeah, how does this line up with me following Jesus and who God says I am. And, you know, you hear me say this all the time, that I strive to look at others and see them the way Jesus sees them because I believe that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, you know, sometimes you're trying to convince people that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, and it's hard to convince them. But I found that I know for me, I was one of the hardest ones to convince. Totally. You know, just, and then, but here's the thing that, and I don't think I've ever arrived. I don't know that we do where you arrive and you're like at this enlightened state where it's like, Oh, now I know. But there've been several moments and there's most of the time I now stand in that truth. Mm -hmm. I stand in the truth that I am, his child, I bear his fingerprints. I bear 
the brushstrokes of God. Yeah. And when I stand in that truth, there's a quiet confidence and stillness in me that brings a peace no matter what room I'm in, no matter who I'm around. All of a sudden, man's perception of me, regardless of who that man is, doesn't really matter that much. It doesn't matter to me anymore because I realize that I'm his son. It's like the God of the universe loves me. He created me. He formed and shaped every part of me. He created me just as I am. That trumps everything. It's like, why do I care what they think? Yeah. And it's almost, it's like this, the pinnacle of confidence and humility and stillness confidence because then when I'm, when I'm living in that reality, when I'm living with that awareness, I can walk into any room and not feel self-conscious or less than whether it's a state room or, you know, a game room or a ballroom, it doesn't matter or a church. It, it doesn't matter. Because when you walk in that, when you know your identity is in him, you have this confidence, but also there's this profound sense of humility because you feel a sense of self-worth and a sense of value, but it's not because of anything you did. Mm. You You can't be proud of it. You can't like, look what I accomplished because it's like, no, I'm an amazing and incredible person simply because of the fact that he created me, not because of what I've done. The most incredible part of me is the way that I've been formed and created the way that he created me. That's what makes me a walking, living miracle. That's what makes me valuable. The fact that he loves me. And that's humbling because the thing that gives me the most value is not anything I can, will, or ever do. The thing that gives me the most value is that he loves me and that I'm his child. I think the reason we don't arrive because it removes God from the picture. Yeah, this all of this, this confidence and identity is founded in him. Mm-hmm. And life pro tip, You may come to this awareness and have this awareness right now. <laughs> oh, I know where you're going with this. Hit, him. Hit me with it. And you feel great. You're like, man, I am a child of God. God loves me. I'm secure in my identity. I've got this. I, I can do anything he wants me to do. And then you walk into that room where there's people who by your standards or man's standards are better, faster, smarter, more attractive, more successful, whatever these other measures are, which are not God's measures. Right. But we walk into these rooms and we see people and we start measuring ourselves and comparing ourselves to them based on all these other measurements and these other metrics. And then we get distracted. And slowly we get distracted and we start looking at those things and stop looking at him. 
Yeah. And for a moment, we have like temporary amnesia and we forget who we are. Mm. And then we start feeling insecure. And then we start feeling like I have to prove myself. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to be this. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not fast enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not successful enough. Because we're comparing it to those things and God's like, do you think you're ever going to be good enough to impress me? And I feel like God's saying, I love you. I created you. You don't, you don't need to impress me. Yeah. I, I, there's nothing you could do that would impress God. I was about to say, can't we impress him? There's, there's <laughs> nothing we can do that's going to impress him. He created us. Right. He knows it all. But I think in our humanness, in our brokenness, in our, in our just being humans, we get distracted very easily. Mm-hmm. You walk into that room, there's that person that's more attractive. There's that person that's more successful. There's that person that's smarter. There's that person that's more charismatic. There's that person that's more talented. And we start thinking, well, I'm not like that. I can't do that. And God's like, yeah, I didn't make you like that. Yeah. I made you like you. You're you're one of one. You're a limited edition. You're oh, that's great. Limited edition. I thought about this conversation I had yesterday with my daughter. Um, my son had a baseball game and he hit a home run. His first home run. Nice. So we're all pumped up after the game, and I'm telling them we're in the car. And I'm like, man, Owen, you hit a you you hit a home run today, dude. You know, so proud of you. That was so great. And Riley got really upset. She got really offended. And she was like, I feel like my coaches don't let me have a home run because they don't want me to. And then she started crying and I think taking on the emotion that that was her that is supposed to be a part of her identity. And so then I started explaining to her, I'm like, no, sis, you know, there's maybe the coach doesn't want you to run because the, there's a player right there with the ball. No, they just don't want me to have a home run. No, but maybe you're not you're not close enough to the base where you would make it with, and they would probably tag you out. No, they don't want me to have the home run. And then I, then I had to switch the conversation and remind her who she is. And I was like, you know what? you are more capable of hitting a home run. And then I reminded her about a hit that she had this past weekend. They had a tournament. She ended up hitting a foul ball, but it was like, if it was hit right, it would have been a over the fence type of hit. And I was like, remember that hit? Where did it go? She's like over the fence. And I'm like, you are capable and you have it in you to be able to hit a home run. You have to go and hit the home run. You already have it in you. Kiddo, like you don't have to worry about you not even being enough. You are enough. Um, and then the conversation started to shift and she started feeling like, okay, I'm going to go do it. And she started to realize that is not my identity, even though her mental capacity, she, she's not able to get that yet. Right. At least in the way that we're talking about. And uh, yeah, so it made me think about like how quickly God can use these moments to instill our identity, even in this little tiny thing. Um, actually, I don't even know where I was going with that. There was, there was a, there was a point. 
was a deep rooted meaning, but I think y'all can get it as you process that. I think one of the things to hold on to is that identity in every situation. Like you and I are sitting here talking and we're, we love Jesus and we're having this conversation and in the study, there's nobody else here. There's no distractions, nothing to, to distract us or take us off point. Whatever the point is we happen to be making, which moves a lot. But the challenge is, okay, the stuff we're talking about now, can I live that out when I go into this social setting? Can I remember who I am in him in the social setting when I'm going to go to dinner with friends? Can I remember who I am? Here's a tough one. When I go see family, who knows all my stuff? Can I remember who I am in him? Can I remember who I am in him when I see my friends from high school? my friends from college, the people that I work with, in every one of those settings, can I maintain that integrity and remember and keep in focus who I am in him? Because what I think happens is we can do it for a little bit. When we got the blinders on and there's no distractions. Yeah. But as soon as you throw, you, you change the backdrop, you change the setting, you throw, you know, moving parts and lights and noise into the mix, we, we get distracted and we forget who we are. So I think one of the challenges, when I look at Jesus, Jesus was Jesus all the time. Yeah. Whether he was having dinner with Nicodemus, whether he was talking to a tax collector, whether he was out on the beach, he was on the countryside, talking to the woman at the well, talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus was, he was the same all the time. And I think that's, that's the model that we have to aspire to he knew who he was. Right. He never doubted that. He never lost sight of who he was. So good. He's never lost sight of who he was, or who he is. And I think that's one of the things that, that we aspire to. It's like, Jesus, help me to be like you. Help me to, to be secure in who I am in you. Yeah. Because when I'm, when I'm secure that way, then I will be who you created me to be. You know, I think it's cool that God can use so many things to develop you. You know, there's a couple of weeks ago, you listened to the you know the past two or three episodes of the, of the podcast. I'm all over the place. I'm dealing with emotions. I'm dealing with identity issues. I'm dealing with lack of things and all these, you know, you just compile them all together. What I'm realizing is he's working all these things out in me for his purpose. And it doesn't, you know, the way that I, the way, the way that I think about healing sometimes is it has to be in like chunks or blocks compartmentalizing it like, Oh, okay. You got, you got to fix this thing before you can get to the next thing. And once you fix that thing, you can go to the next thing. And God doesn't work like that. He sees a need in you, good and bad. He's going to work it out. 
doesn't have to make sense. And I've realized a lot of that, <laughs> a lot of my season over the past year and a half now hasn't made sense. But a lot of the things that he's working out in me make sense why he's working those things out, out of me. Building character. Oh man, I heard a quote the other day that I freaking loved and I forgot it. And it was around character. Um, oh, oh man, I forgot it. It was so good. Basically, it was around the idea of, oh my gosh, it was like character was built. Is Character's not built in the things. It's in the work where character's built. Something along those lines. I'm going to have to go find where I heard that. You need like a little notebook. Well, Every and, time something hits, you just write it down. And I didn't even write this down. And I didn't even realize it was that impactful until now. Because we're having a conversation around it. And oh, gosh. So one thing I hadn't mentioned yet in this podcast is because we can forget our identity in every context. Mm -hmm. Because we can be distracted. This is why we need to do what, what Peter did when he got out of the boat. Cling to Jesus. Keep our eyes on him. This is why we need Jesus every single day. Every single moment. And I think one thing that I would encourage anyone listening is talk with Jesus. Regardless of how long it's been since you've talked to him, just talk, have that conversation, just talk with him. Cling to him. And I actually heard, a, for whatever reason, I went back and I was listening to College Dropout. You realize that Kanye's College Dropout, do you know what year it came out? 2005? Four. That was just after we moved to Austin. I feel incredibly old. But I'm listening to Jesus Walks. And there's a line in there that just jumped out at me. And it felt so applicable because I know, you know, sometimes when you don't talk to God for a while, you kind of like, you don't because you feel guilty and you don't want to approach him anymore. Mm -hmm. And there was a line in that, in that song. And I remember like the line hit me. And it was, uh, what was the line? I want to talk to God, but I'm afraid because we ain't spoken so long. <laughs> and I think a lot of times that's how we feel. But I'm afraid because we ain't spoken so long. All I would encourage you is there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to be afraid to talk to God. You brought this up before, the prodigal son. I think the reason that story was shared, that parable was shared, is to express how loving God is and how ready is he is to receive you with open arms and just hug on you and love you, regardless of how long it's been since you talked to him. So that... You're not forgotten. Not forgotten. Don't be afraid. Mm. We'll spend some time talking to Jesus this week, guys and gals. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What do you have to lose? 
You know, I heard this. Um, actually, Tim Ross talked about it. We can end here and then maybe give an action item. And I posted this on my Instagram, but he he talked about how a lot of times we are afraid to do the work and deal with our own selves. So we, we typically lead with trauma in relationship. And one of the big themes that I took from it was be brave enough to deal with yourself. Well, sometimes that means that for me specifically, actually, let me take that back. For me specifically, in order for me to deal with the scariness of myself, I need to go to him first because I got to be confident in that he's not going to walk away from this ugliness that I have in me. I think it's one of the, one of the things that I'm learning right now, which is he takes me as I am. And that ugliness that I saw that looked really scary wasn't actually that bad when I dealt with it. Those trauma, those things of the past. I'm, we're talking about the thing that we just talked about today. The arrogance and the pride that I've had from my past, as I have learned to deal with my, my faults over the past year and a half, and now coming to this place this morning and having this drive and reflecting on where do these, where do these behaviors, where do they come from, where do they stem from, um, to understand that my identity, that I place my identity in, I'm not a dumb Mexican, I'm a smart Latino, whatever those things are. Um, those can be really hurtful things if they're dealt with without good direction from him. If they're dealt with without him. So be brave enough to go to him first. And then he'll show you all those things. And you know what? This the 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 one thing that I want to talk about, and I love that you brought up the prodigal son. And God is so soft in the way that he shows you the things that he wants you to change. He's not harsh, he's not abrupt. Those things are ugly and they may be harsh, but he's not in the way that he shows you. That's what I've learned. Listen to the last episode. How did he do it? He showed up with a hug. So the action item? I've got one. Do it. We've prayed before and we've, we've mentioned before, and Paul and I pray this all the time, Jesus, let me see others as you see them so that I'll be compelled to love them as you love them. Action item for this week. Jesus, help me to see myself as you see me. Ooh, dude. That hit for some reason. Deeply to the core. Tell him again. This week, pray that Jesus would let you see yourself as he sees you. Ooh. All right. <laughs> there's, there's something stirring up in me right now, like for real. Uh, that's good. Me too. Wow. All right, guys, we'll end here. Um, 
until next time. Love y'all. Love y'all.